Section 23 of the Works of Guy de Maupassant, Volume 3, by Guy de Maupassant. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista. Violated. Really, Paul repeated. Really. Yes, I who am here before you have been violated, and violated by but if i were to tell you immediately by whom there would be no story eh and as you want a story eh and as you want a story i will tell you all about it from beginning to end and i shall begin at the beginning i had been shooting over the wasteland in the heart of brittany for a week which borders on the black mountain it is a desolate and wild country but it abounds in game one can walk for hours without meeting a human being and when one meets anybody it is just the same as if one had not for the people are absolutely ignorant of french and when i got to an inn at night i had to employ signs to let the people know that i wanted supper and bed as i happened to be in a melancholy frame of mind at the time that solitude delighted me and my dog's companionship was quite enough for me and so you may guess my irritation when i perceived one morning that i was being followed absolutely followed by another sportsman who seemed to wish to enter into conversation with me the day before i had already noticed him obstructing the horizon several times and i had attributed it to the chances of sport which brought us both to the same likely spots for game but now i could not be mistaken the fellow was evidently following me and was stretching his little pair of compasses as much as he could so as to keep up with my long strides and took short cuts so as to catch me up at the half circle as he seemed bent upon the matter i naturally grew obstinate also and he spent his whole day in trying to catch me up while i spent mine in trying to baffle him and we seemed to be playing at hide-and-seek the consequences were that when it was getting dark i had completely lost myself in the most deserted part of the moor there was no cottage near and not even a church spire in the distance the only landmark was the hateful outline of that cursed man about five hundred yards off of course he had won the game i should have to put a good face on the matter and allow him to join me or rather i should have to join him myself if i did not wish to sleep in the open air and with an empty stomach and so i went up to him and asked my way in a half surly manner he replied very affably that there was no inn in the neighborhood as the nearest village was five leagues off but that he lived only about an hour's walk off and that he considered himself very fortunate in being able to offer me hospitality i was utterly done up and how could i refuse so we went off through the heather and firs i walking slowly because i was so tired and he went tripping along merrily with his legs like a basset hound's which seemed untirable and yet he was an old man and not strongly built for i could have knocked him over by blowing on him but how he could walk the beast but he was not a troublesome companion as i imagined he would have been and he did not at all seem to wish to enter into conversation with me as i feared he would when he had given his invitation and i had accepted it and thanked him in a few words 
he did not open his lips again, and we walked on in silence, and only his glances worried me, for I felt them on me, as if he wished to force me into an intimacy, which my closed lips refused. But on the whole, his tenacious looks, which I noticed furtively, appeared sympathetic and even admiring. Yes, really admiring. But I could not give him as good as he brought, for he was certainly not handsome. His legs were short and rather bandy, and he was thin and narrow-chested. His face was like a bit of parchment, furrowed and wrinkled, without a hair on it to hide the folds in his skin. His hair resembled that of an ignorantine brother, with its grey locks falling onto his greasy collar. He had a nose like a ferret, and rat's eyes, but he was able to offer me food and quarters for the night, and it was not requisite that he should be handsome in order to do that. Capital food and very comfortable quarters, a manorial dwelling, a real old well-furnished manor-house and in the large dining-room in front of the huge fireplace where a large fire was blazing dinner was laid i will say no more than that a hotchpotch which had been stewing since morning no doubt a psalmist of woodcock in defence of which angels would have taken up arms buckwheat cakes in cream flavoured with aniseed and a cheese which is a rare thing and hardly ever to be found in brittany a cheese to make anyone eat a four-pound loaf if he only smelt the rind the whole washed down by chamberton and then brandy distilled by cider which was so good that it made a man fancy that he had swallowed a deity in velvet breeches not to mention the cigars pure smuggled havanas large strong not dry but green on the contrary which made a strong and intoxicating smoke and how the little old gentleman stuffed and drank and smoked he was an ogre a chorister a sapper and so was i i must confess and upon my word i cannot remember what we talked about during our gargantuan feed but we certainly talked but what about about shooting certainly and about women most probably confound it among men after drinking yes yes about women I am quite sure. And he told me some funny stories, did the little old man, especially about a portrait which was hanging over the large fireplace, and which represented his grandmother, a marchioness of the old regime. She was a woman who had certainly played some pranks, and they said that she was still frisky and had good legs and thighs when she was seventy. It is extraordinary, I remarked, how like you are to that portrait yes the old man replied with a smile and then he added in his harsh tremulous voice i resemble her in everything i am only sixty and i feel as if i should have lusty hot blood in me until i am seventy and then suddenly very much moved and looking at me admiringly as he had done once before he said to the portrait i say marchioness what a pity that you did not know this handsome young fellow. I remembered that apostrophe and that look very well when I went to bed about an hour later, nearly drunk, in the large room papered in white and gold, to which I was shown by a tall, broad-shouldered footman who wished me good night in Breton. Good night, yes, 
but that implied going to sleep which was just what i could not do the chamberton the cider brandy and the cigars had certainly made me drunk but not so as to overcome me altogether on the contrary i was excited my nerves were highly strung my blood was heated and i was in a half-sleep in which i felt that i was very much alive and my whole being was in a vibration and expansion just as if i had been smoking hashika of course that was it i was dreaming while i was awake but i saw the door open and the marchioness come in who had stepped down out of her frame she had taken off her furbelows and was in her nightgown her high headdress was replaced by a simple knot of ribbon which confined her powdered hair into a small chignon but i recognized her quite plainly by the trembling light of the candle which she was carrying it was her face with its piercing eyes its pointed nose and its smiling and sensual mouth she did not look so young to me as she appeared in her portrait bah perhaps that was merely caused by the feeble flickering light but i had not even time to account for it not to reflect on the strangeness of the sight nor to discuss the matter with myself and to say am i dead drunk or is it a ghost no i had no time and that is the fact for the candle was suddenly blown out and the marchioness was in my bed and holding me in her arms and one fixed idea the only one that i had haunted me which was had the marchioness good limbs and was she still frisky at seventy and i did not care much if she was seventy and if she was a ghost or not i only thought of one thing has she really good limbs by jove yes she did not speak oh marchioness marchioness and suddenly in spite of myself and to convince myself that it was not a mere fantastic dream i exclaimed why good heavens i am not dreaming no you are not dreaming two lips replied trying to press themselves against mine but oh horror the mouth smelt of cigars and brandy the voice was that of the little old man with a bound i sent him flying on to the ground and jumped out of bed shouting beast beast then i heard the door slam and bare feet pattering on the stairs as he ran away so i dressed hastily in the dark and went downstairs still shouting in the hall below where i could see through the upper windows that the dawn was breaking i met the broad-shouldered footman who was holding a great cudgel in his hand he was bawling also in breton and pointed to the open door outside where my dog was waiting what could i say to this savage who did not speak french should i face his cudgel there was no reason for doing so and besides i was even more ashamed than furious so i hastily took up my gun and my game-bag which were in the hall and went off without turning round disgusted with sport in that part of the country i returned to brest the same day and there timidly and with many precautions i tried to find out something about the little old man oh i know somebody replied at last to my question you are speaking of the manor-house at hervenidose where the old countess lives who dresses like a man and sleeps with her coachman and with a deep sigh of relief and much to the astonishment of my informant i replied 
Oh, so much the better. End of section 23. Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista.